What does it look like to create a rhythm that goes beyond the busyness of doing all the things and helps build a Christ-centered legacy in the next generation, especially when having conversations about faith can be so uncomfortable? And what's at stake if we don't? Let's jump right in and start by unpacking the answer in Deuteronomy chapter 6. See if you can catch the instructions, the rhythm, and the promise. Whenever we see or hear your children or their children, think our children. Throughout the chapter, we see Moses telling the new generation of Israelites about to enter the promised land that in order for them their children and their children's children to live their best life, the life that God intended, they have to follow the rules, remember who they are, and remember all God has done. Check out what Moses says in Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. In case you missed it, my translation in today's context, God has called us to build a legacy rooted and grounded in him in the next generation. How exactly do we do that? Short answer, whenever God calls us to do anything, he gives us the capacity, tools, and resources to get it done. The instructions, love the Lord with everything we've got. Love and honor him with every part of our lives. Get his word deep down on the inside of us and live according to his word, his will, and his ways. Let it become a part of who we are and who our children, our collective children are. Make the Lord a priority and build our whole lives around him. The rhythm, intentional moments of connection throughout the day with God that reflect God and with each other. The promise. If we follow God's instructions and are intentional about including him in our daily rhythm, even when life happens, because life can be messy and hard and turn our world completely upside down sometimes, even when that happens, we can go back to what we've been taught, our foundation, our rock, and still get it done. I thought it'd be cool if we mix things up today with someone who knows a thing or two or seven about creating a rhythm that helps build a Christ-centered legacy in the next generation, Grace Kids volunteer, dad, and husband, Philip Connor.
We are at the Connor residence in their dining room. Philip, thank you so much for having us. Of course. Please tell us a little bit about your family. Yes, my family. Well, I think we're the largest family at Grace, if not maybe one of the largest. We have nine people in our household. Mm -hmm. My long-suffering and patient wife, Candace, because of me, uh, long-suffering. Uh, in 21 and a half years, we've been married, and we have seven delightful children, ages 13 to 21. I'll just roll through them really fast, from youngest to oldest. Mm -hmm. uh, we got Judah, who is 13. We've got Valorin, that is 14. We've got Hosanna, who's 15. And Asher's 16, turning on 17, another week or so. We have... Uh, John, who's 18, Ephraim, who's 18 as well, and then Lady, that's 21. I think I get everyone. Did I get seven? You got it. Yeah, it's kind of sometimes hard to kind of remember them all, actually, quite honestly. So, yeah, that's our family. Um, we have four biological kids and three kids we adopted later in life um, from Columbia. And so we are a blended family in that way. Uh, and I think that when we look at my family and I think, oh, you know, it's a little bit challenging and every day is a little bit different. Um, one of the things I've realized over the years is that I'm not a perfect parent. I'm really not a perfect parent. Uh, I want to give an example of that just, just for a moment, if I could, Michelle. So Please. just recently, um, I wanted to be able to actually put together this photo, uh, blow it up that we could put in our dining room. We don't often get as a family together to take a photo because people are going in different directions. So it was actually a restaurant shot, but I failed to look at the actual dimensions online. And even with Kansas permission, I ended up buying a photo that was three feet by four feet large. So it's a restaurant photo of people looking at, of us looking at ourselves eating while we're eating. And so the, my photo as part of that was life size. My head was life size. And the kids were just not a fan of like watching their dad eat while they're eating every week, every day. And so there were some different recommendations in the family. One kid actually volunteered to refund the money. And actually, uh, I could just throw it away if they could, they, that could work out. Uh, another kid volunteered, maybe we could just put it in the laundry room. In the end, we actually compromised that this was going to happen by just putting it in the basement family room. So I just share that kind of like window into our family, the fact that I'm not a perfect parent. And in fact, if you were in our small group, our community group here at Grace, you would know even more that this is the truth, that we are not perfect parents. However, although we're not experts, there are no books yet that we've written on parenting. Yet. Yet. Well, well, we'll see. Uh, we have a lot of experience, 18 and a half years of parenting and uh, with seven kids, a lot of kids uh, from a lot of different backgrounds. So, you know, we bring experience, but ultimately we lean on Jesus as the ultimate one, the father, God, the perfect father uh, that we can look to. He has a few bit of points to show us. He has some re rebellious children at times, you know, he's very patient with me as his child. And so we lean on him as the creator, as their creator, uh, to be able to see if how, you know, God is going to see through in their lives. And why wouldn't we want to introduce the one that actually gave up their lives for them? So yeah, when we think about this aspect in our family, we really want to be able to show Jesus as much as possible. So when you think about building a Christ-centered legacy in your children, what sort of things come to mind? Yeah, so many things. But the first thing that comes to my mind are my own parents. So when I was very young, about two years old, my parents were invited by a family friend to go to church. They had never been in church before. And in fact, on that same day, there was a call to actually accept Jesus into the lives and they ran forward and they did that. So thankful that they did because their whole lives have been about pointing me to Jesus. But the reason they chose to do it, as I've kind of understood over the years, was actually a little less about themselves 
but actually more about their children. They wanted to be able to provide something for their children that was going to be generational in impact, not just for their own kids, but for their children's children. Mm -hmm. And so I'm so thankful that I was had parents that pointed me to Jesus. They were not perfect parents either, uh, but we were able to actually point me to Jesus as first and foremost. And that's the same with Candace as well. So we're really blessed that way. Uh, when I think about trying to invest that in my own kids' lives, uh, both Candace and I rely on the promise that's in Proverbs that says, you train up the child in the way they should go, and later in life, they will not depart from it. That's been such an important promise for us as we've kind of gone the ups and downs of parenting to be able to see how God can, can come alongside of us. In fact, as we go alongside God, in fact, and to be able to rely on his promise throughout. Ultimately, we realize that we can't do this alone and we rely on God to make that happen. We also rely on our community of grace to be able to make that happen because ultimately we're in this together. It's for all of our kids, as you said so many times before, Michelle, regardless if you're just new to parenting, maybe you're a kid and trying to figure out why my parents doing this to me, or maybe you're looking to be a future parent, or maybe you're actually looking to, you know, mentor and be able to help your niece or your nephew or your cousin. We should all be investing in the next generation. And the first and foremost thing we should be doing is pointing them to Jesus because Jesus will be with them through eternity. I love the way Philip said that Proverbs 22, 6 is a promise. If we train our children up, even down the road, no matter where life's journey takes them, they can come back to what they've been taught. Philip, can you, let's dig in here a little bit hmm. and talk about how your faith has influenced your intentional parenting. My faith has been immensely important. Deuteronomy 6, in that passage that you read earlier, uh, it speaks about how you need to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind and strength. And that is so key when we look at actually how we need to parent. The fact that we need to be relying 100% on Jesus to be able to actually know of how the best thing and best ways to go when it comes to our kids. Dorian Six is that vertical relationship that we have to get right. Because if we don't get that right, then we can't even get that horizontal relationship with our kids or those that we're mentoring or those that we hope to be able to produce some fruit in the future years and future generations. We need to be able to get that vertical relationship just right. And because of that, we can lean on the fact that we can actually claim another promise that's really important. There's one in Philippians that speaks of the fact that God will carry through what he has started in them onto the completion until the end of the last day. And so we want to be able to build that confidence within our kids because we have our vertical relationship right with Jesus. In fact, I would go so far to say that our children or those that we're mentoring will likely not eclipse our spiritual faith, perhaps later in adult life, but certainly not as, as, as children so that means that we not only model, but we must also be so connected with God, lest that they might not be able to actually experience that full capacity that Jesus has for them. How has the Grace community made a difference? Grace community has been so impactful uh, for us as a family. I think way back in 2016, when we first came to Grace, uh, I had met with Pastor Matt, who's the youth pastor here, to be able to see if Basically, could he handle us as a family? At that time, we were going some, through some really dark things, and he had never met me before. I had never met him. I shared some very dark personal stuff that was happening within our family, and I asked him essentially, Matt, can Grace handle this? And he said, 
Not only can we handle this, we will walk with you through it. And that promise has been carried through by Grace Church, by Matt, by so many other people uh, within our congregation. I can think of so many that have actually had our kids over for dinner or they've actually been youth leaders in their youth programs or in their kids programs. Those that we've actually leaned on to say like, hey, this kid could really use a break. Maybe you could hang out with them for a bit of time. That community of faith has been so impactful. Even if I just think of like on Sunday morning, we've been at the prayer wall as parents many times to be able to just say, we need to be able to get some prayer for our kids. Or online, we've actually also prayed and asked for prayer specifically for a specific issue for our kids. On Sunday mornings, at times, an usher that might come by and just say, hey, you know, where's your crew? Because we do fill up a whole row each Sunday. Not a section, but we do fill up a whole row. So if we're missing a few, it's noticeable. And they'll just kind of be, keep us accountable to the fact that we are in worship or we're not in worship. And then I think of also about serving and volunteering. So instead of just kind of receiving all the great things that Grace has for us as a family, we also want to be really intentional to be able to get plugged in and be actually get involved in what Grace is doing so the greater community can know Jesus. And so one thing that we've done often is on Christmas Eve services, we've been kind of the go-to family that's taking care of as many kids as possible that can actually... Um, so those parents can actually enjoy a Christmas Eve service, especially for the younger kids, our whole family, because we're a family of nine. We can kind of handle it. Um, and then there's been times when Jennifer, our volunteer coordinator, has called us on Saturday and just basically said, hey, you know, we have a gap here. Would you have like five or seven of you that could actually come along and take care of this? And we would fill that gap. And so being able to serve in a variety of places at Grace has also been great for our kids to be able to get build again that Christ-centered legacy that's been so part and so key. So we're so thankful for the intentionality of grace as a church and also being able to include that in our parenting as we kind of continue to build that Christ-centered legacy within them. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Hide them as symbols on your hands and bind them to your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Girls, boys, different ages, different phases. Can you share some pro tips on building a Christ-centered legacy through the phases? Yeah, sure can. Lightning round? We can do it. All right, preschool, go. All right, Michelle. So when I think of that verse, impress upon your children, it's actually kind of three areas that I think of all the time for, for preschool or for any age group. First of all, we've got to be able to uh, put talking to Jesus as first and foremost priority. And when I think of preschool, I think of the first thing we can do is thank God for everything, particularly at mealtime. Have grace all the time and make sure you always pray before you actually have dinner. Uh, number two, we want to be able to build routines. That's what the binding of the, the different binding aspects this talks about in that verse. And so for routine, for preschoolers, we want to make sure that we actually are getting um uh, back to church all the time, to be actually go to church on Sunday mornings, be involved in them in the congregation, because that's so key to build those routines from an early point in life. And I know preschool kids, preschool parents, this is a little bit hard because you actually have the, like really hard at the end of the day and at the end of your week. But I would actually ask you to just build that routine and get them to grace kids, get to worship on Sundays. And then for God's word, which is the last part of that verse I think that talks about there, is be able to actually have bedtime stories, to actually thank God for the day, and then also to get the God's word into them early in life. Grade school. Yeah, let's go. So when I think of grade school kids, when I think about talking about Jesus, those conversations happen in the car for us. 
or maybe while we're walking, literally, as the Bible talks about. And then if I think about how we can build routine into their everyday lives, about putting Jesus into their lives, I think about how music has been an important part of our family's life. Like what's the music track that's playing in your house or in your car? Is it worship songs? Because those are words that they'll remember for life, including our kids continue to sing those songs in their minds because they learn them at an early age. And then finally for grade school years, how do you put the word of God in? Well, we actually want to kind of start transposing kids to be actually get involved to actually reading the God's word on their own. Now it's going to take some steps, right? So some books that we kind of edged ourselves into that is the Jesus Storybook Bible. Great resource to be able to actually point people to Jesus all the time, no matter what's happening. And each Bible story points to Jesus. So that's been so great for us. And then over time, be able to basically get them to the habit of actually reading God's word on their own. And, you know, kind of funny, we would sometimes say to our kids who were not very excited about reading Bible at the end of their days, say, you brushed your teeth, it's a good habit. You're going to read the Bible, it's a good habit. So these are good things to be implementing right from an early age through those grade school years. Teens. Yes, let's do this. Teens. Words become fewer when they are teenagers, but yet they're even more critically important. And so we've had a lot of sit-down conversations, especially at some points of decision around life, to be able to bring Jesus into those conversations when we talk about God. Those are the points we've actually bring it in. In terms of routine, our meal times have actually become more critical in the teen years than they were actually in the grade school years. And so in our family, if you actually aren't in any sports at any given moment, or you're going to extra homework, you're going to be at the table. And that's where Jesus comes in the conversation a lot. Our meal grace times have become a lot more of extended prayers. Kids have had their turns to do that. And also, uh, we've asked them to uh, actually kind of pray for others. So in our family, if you bring us, a, actually send us a physical Christmas card, we'll pray for your family for a whole week at our table uh, as a family uh, as we go through the next coming year. So that meal time is really actually more and more critical and important. And then finally, word of God in their lives. Now, by now, they should be reading the Bible on their own. But maybe that doesn't always happen as regularly as you might like or as a parent or maybe as they would like. So we've been built a few encouragement steps along the way. In fact, we've asked kids to actually put together cards, putting a favorite verse that they've kind of memorized or one that they've actually been uh, reading about recently on the mantle. And it might sit there for a couple of months just so that we can actually uh, kind of share together what God is doing in their lives. And let's not forget about the young adults. Young adults. Now, this is a new one for us. We just have some emerging young adults in our family. And uh, maybe everything comes to be a little bit shorter at this point, but even more poignant. So when I think about talking about Jesus, I think it's really important that your young adult children know that you're praying for them at every step of the way. In the major decisions and in the minor decisions, you need to keep reassuring them that you're praying for them. And then on routine, I know it might be tempting when your young adult family comes back to home, so to speak, and you want to be able to spend as much time with them as possible, but don't exclude them from actually getting back to grace and getting back to church meal. Make those relationships again. Make it a priority to actually get them there. And then when we think of the word of God in their lives, it can kind of come off a little bit preachy if you're always kind of talking to them about what they should be doing, what God should be doing in their lives. Instead, I would, I'm starting and I'm learning this actually to actually flip that a bit and tell them about what God is doing in my own life and how God has actually showed me in his word what I should be doing on XYZ. And so it's really flipping the script in that regard. Oh, you talked about the importance of routine. One routine that completely needs to be just revamped is us coming out of the pandemic. Can you talk about how the pandemic has impacted your legacy building? Yeah. 
legacy building the route during the pandemic was hard. And I can't even imagine if you had preschoolers at home of how that would just put you at the end of your rope. Uh, but thankfully, uh, Candace and I saw this as an opportunity, actually. This was kind of one of those few times in life when we'd be able to have about a year and a half of solid time with our kids before they left home. And we're able to think what parts of God's word, what kind of parts of God's character did we want to make sure that they had before they left to go off to adulthood elsewhere. And essentially, we actually on Sunday mornings kind of turned things completely around. We had kids actually do their own preaching for us as a family group. And it was a really rich time. Now, mind you, not everything went as great as planned. And I can remember one particular instance where I was the preacher and things didn't go quite so well as planned. And you can ask my kids about that. But Regardless of the fact that we were able to spend some really quality time as a family, even though those horizontal relationships were really stressed at different points. Coming out of the pandemic, though, Michelle, we have learned that actually the best thing that we did and the best thing that we can do in the future is not to allow the pandemic to dictate our relationship with others within the Grace community. We were able to be able to get our kids back to youth group as quickly as possible, which is so essential for their routine to be able to follow Jesus. And in fact, for us as adults to get back to community groups, also so essential. And then we were the first to be able to get back in the outdoor services that later turned into indoor services. And then being able to get back into worship regularly was so key and serve uh, alongside others at Grace. Again, I would really encourage you, you may be watching online for a variety of different reasons today, but for your kids' sake, especially for your parents, I know that it may be a little bit tough as you come out of the pandemic. But I would encourage you greatly to be able to make it in person as you're able to. Your kids so desperately need, need that. They need that routine to be able to see that that's a priority to gather together and worship. So I encourage your parents to be able to do that. We're not perfect, but we really have had a great time to be able to get our kids back to grace. We can learn from our experience and we can learn from wisdom. Others experience. That was wisdom. Philip, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us through your family's story. Yeah, my pleasure. We have to invest in the next generation. The Lord hasn't blessed me with children yet, but I think of my nephews and all my grace kids, kiddos. I think we can all agree that we want what's best for our children. We want them to have a better life than we have. We don't want them to have to experience some of the things we've experienced. We want to protect them and keep them safe. Well, the safest place to be is in the center of God's will. That's why this is so important. We can't miss this, y'all. Deuteronomy chapter 6 ends with Moses telling the new generation of Israelites that at some point, their children are going to ask, why all the rules? I picture Moses saying, you have to get this. Don't let my story be your story. We were slaves in Egypt and God brought us through. He gave us everything we needed to make it to the land he promised. All we had to do was follow his instructions. But we decided to do our own thing and were disqualified. We forgot who we were. I don't want that for you. So when your children, our children ask, why we believe what we believe, why this God stuff matters. Does it really take all of that? Tell them the God who made us, knows us and loves us, wants what's best for us. 
There will be times we want to do our own thing. And there will be times when we're going through. But when we know who we are, everything changes. But we don't know what we don't know. And sometimes we forget what we do know. So we have to continually strengthen and grow our relationship with God through Jesus Christ by reading and studying his word, by going to church and by living out our faith. So the Holy Spirit can teach us and continually remind us of who we are and whose we are and how to navigate this thing called life. Sometimes we don't know we need God until we need him. But what happens when we need him but don't know him? That can't be our story. That can't be our children's story. Sometimes we don't know we need God until we need him. But what happens when we need him but don't know him? This question highlights the reality that there is so much riding on how intentional we are to build a legacy in the next generation that is grounded in Jesus. And yes, this is for all the parents out there, but this is for the non-parents as well. It's for you who have children, but also for you who have nieces, nephews, grandkids, kids in your neighborhood, kids in your church. And it's for you who is wanting to build a Christ-centered legacy in your own life. We all need to look at our rhythms and determine how our desire to build a Christ-centered legacy is reflected in those rhythms. Now, I know I can speak for all the parents when I say to the non-parents who are actively working to build a Christ-centered legacy in the lives of those nieces, nephews, kids in your church, thank you. We parents are so grateful for you. The influence you have on our kids, we're so grateful for as a parent. We know we can't do it alone. And it's overwhelming to think about all the things we want to instill in our kids. And to know that there are others out there reinforcing any of those things is a really big deal. Because it is overwhelming, conversations like the one this morning can even make us feel like we're failing. We haven't been consistent in building the rhythms we know we'd like to. We haven't prioritized prayer in our home. We haven't had the conversations we want to have, so on and so forth. So here's how I'd like to end. With a look to the future, we know there are only so many things you can make non-negotiable in your home and around your rhythms. So here's the question we're leaving you to wrestle with. What are the one or two things you believe are worth fighting for and making non-negotiable moving forward? What is the one thing you want to put into practice starting this week? You can't do it all at once, but everyone has to start somewhere. That's all we have for you this morning. Just want to say thanks for tuning in again. Have a great week.